Spotlight, Chasing the Rainbows, with your host, Bernice Quisenberry. On this week's episode, it is called Sharing Out Loud, and this is your host, B. I'm flying solo this week um, just to be with you, fellow survivors. And, you know, this is something that is near and dear to my heart because I feel like this helped me a lot after we went through um, our loss with Brock and sharing my story, sharing with others um, helped me to process and work through a lot of things that I needed to after this. Um, I felt like it honored her. I felt like, you know, I was carrying out her legacy, but it also took away the power and and the pain, some of the pain. Um, not that we ever get rid of it 100%, but um, it just always does help me to share with other survivors. Um, you know, saying my story to other survivors, it does each time cut my pain in half. And not just because I'm saying it out loud or I'm vocalizing it, but it's also because I'm getting validation from others who are also living on the same, you know, lifetime, like grief journey and have experienced similar losses. Um, and it's that feeling seen and heard instead of feeling like shut down from others or not feeling like I'm in a safe or secure place. And it's finding those people who I can share those with and, you know, Brooke's story with and know that they're just there to listen and to embrace me. And I, and knowing that is just so important. Um, but also to, you know, helping others is um, something, you know, that, that really happened when I do share my pain. Um, and, when I think about that, you know, I say to myself before I say my story or um, I go out in public or, you know, do a, a speaking engagement or anything like that. I say, if I can touch one person in this audience to not feel alone or isolated or to be able to relate to some part of my story, then that made it worth it for me because it truly is. That's what I was searching for right after we lost Brooke was that connection, was that unity to other survivors and lost moms, lost parents who understood exactly what I was going through through. And all of our experiences are different. Everything that we go through is different. How we process things are different, but we still like having someone that can see or know or understand exactly where I'm at or how I got there or why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling without having to explain myself is so impactful, especially after we go through our losses. Also, you know, talking about my deepest, darkest, like regrets, guilt, blame, and shame. I realized pretty early on after we lost Brooke that I had to really almost compartmentalize my life with who I shared different things with. And it's something that, you know, I, I thought, you know, having being open and honest at first was something that I really wanted with Brooke and sharing her story, but then realizing as I was getting out there more in society, being around work colleagues and other people that, you know, it made them uncomfortable and almost like the deer in headlight look. And also it was like, I just felt like I was always like that elephant walking into the room, like that dark cloud. 
Um, so I had to realize, okay, like I can only do this with certain people who understand or in certain situations. So that's when I realized who has gone through traumatic losses or can understand because they also, you know, miscarried, had a stillbirth, infant loss or something like that. And that those were the people that I could then share these things with because, you know, others would say, cause they didn't want to see you hurting and they didn't go through it. So they would say things like, you know, it wasn't your fault. Everything happens for a reason. You may not see it now, but you might see it, you know, down the road. Um, there's a plan. God has a plan, a higher powers plan, all of those things. And one, you know, in the midst of it, maybe a survivor believes that maybe they don't and good. If a survivor does want to believe that, let them, or if they want to think that, and that's, and that's what they need to, and that's how they process and grieve. Great. That's not me though. And we shouldn't be using those kind of candid, like overall blanket responses for survivors because we are all so different in what we believe and see and you know, how we are processing our losses and how we're grieving. Um, and something, you know, I struggled to believe in was a higher power. Um, and you know, that's really hard to share with someone who's coming at you with like Bible verses or things about God and God having a higher or a higher power, those kind of things. But, you know, you don't know where someone's at, like where they are with their faith, if they're some cling to their faith, some question their faith, some lose faith. And it's all about the individuals, right? And what they and what they need to do to process and, and to grieve, honestly, to survive. And that first year really is survival mode. Um, because you know you're going through all the first, you don't know what to expect, holidays, all of those things. And, you know, we we're just talking in support group the other day. Because the second year was the hardest for me. I felt like, you know, the first year, like I said, you didn't know what to expect. It kind of, you were just, you know, going off the seat of your pants, like you were just hanging on for dear life. And then the second year, it was like, okay, well, now I know what to expect. There's no more first anymore. I feel further away from my baby. I don't know what I'm entering into now or what to expect. And also like, you know, people don't check in with you as much and, they don't really talk about your baby as much, all of those things. And it's kind of expected now that like we moved on, um, even though, you know, we never do. We move forward with life, but, you know, we're learning to live life and a life worth living and grieving our baby at the same time. So, you know, there's that going on in that internal struggle that we have. And I really noticed it in that second year. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um but there was like also things that, you know, as I'm figuring out this life, there was like so many questions that I just had to get out and say and share out loud because it was eating at me, right? And it was getting the power internally over me where I would do like deep Google searches, deep dives on Google, you know, Dr. Google and um, and only other like lost parents really understood why or how I thought like this or felt like this. And also, you know, my therapist or, you know, different professionals could understand or relate to. But there was like some really like deep, dark questions that I had to channel. Couldn't, you know, say them out loud to a lot of people because I think they would look at me like really disturbing. Um, but like, did I will this to happen? Right. Was a big one for me. And I, 
I felt like, you know, is it because I stressed about this or I worried about this? Did I cause this? Um, you know, if I could have seen this or if I could have done this differently and it was all these things and, you know, did I will this because I had these thoughts and these feelings when I'm pregnant. And I think, you know, with Brooke, like the, the week leading up to before she was delivered, um, you know, I was told everything looked fine just to go home, you know, the ultrasound looked great. And then a week later there was like no fluid anywhere. Right. But I knew there was something wrong. And, you know, there for the longest time, I was like, did I like make this happen? Because I felt like there was something wrong. And then, you know, I was told it was okay. And then a week later it wasn't, you know? So it's all those feelings around that. But it's also like, did I miss signs of this happening? Was there something that I overlooked or something that I didn't ask enough of or enough testing or, you know, could this have been prevented in any way? And it was all of those like swirling around, but like I said, I needed to say them out loud and I did not want responses. I did not want anyone to give me, you know, any kind of like throwaway comment, you know, behind that. It was more just like, I need to take this power away from it because it is truly just like, you know, festering inside of me. And it is, I'm obsessing about it and I can't think about anything else. And I have to get these answers and have to let it go, you know, and like really figure what that is or how to process this and, and what that looks like. And that was, you know, also a hard thing, um, because, you know, different coping skills and methods were different after we lost Brooke. I, things that worked for me before didn't work, you know, in this situation. So I was also trying to figure out, okay, how can I process this in a healthy way? You know, what are different things that I can do? And, you know, what does that look like? Especially in the midst of already, you know, having all the overwhelming feelings and thoughts and whirlwinds, you know, also trying to figure out this. It's like, you know, just one more thing um, to add on to, you know, you're already chaotic and, and um, you know, whirlwind of a mind going on. So, you know, I, I really, those questions... Um, you know, that guilt, shame, and blame that fuel our traumas and fueled my trauma, definitely. You know, those things, it was, it was very hard and I needed to to learn how to process process in, in the right ways or with the right people, I should say. Um, you know, the acceptance of the loss is one thing where, you know, I had to get to the point, okay, she's no longer here. I'm not going to have a life with her. Um, I don't know if any listeners out there experienced, you know, having nightmares or like dreams of, you know, still having your baby here and then all of a sudden waking up and realizing that's not our reality. But that was really hard on me. And so like once I got to the point of like accepting, you know, that she no longer is, is ever, you know, coming back, that I'm not pregnant, like all the things. Right. And like almost reminding yourself, like, this is the new reality I have to live with, Um but it was also accepting, like not having all the answers 100% around her delivery and her death, because we're never going to know exactly what happened or how we could have prevented it, or those woulda, coulda, shouldas that are all floating around in our head. And I'm telling you, I could like should all over myself all the time, because I'm like, I should have done this, or I should have done that, or, you know, if this was different and things, especially in, you know, that first 
you know, year and two, um, really just really did eat at me. Um, but taking the power of the guilt, shame and blame, like as I say these things out loud and knowing that it's in a supported environment with people who get it is a whole different ball game. Um, and that was something, you know, realizing, okay. Cause I felt like every time, like, as I mentioned, I was opening up in a group to a group of people or with individuals who haven't been through this. And I would get those throwaway comments, which had great intentions behind them. And like I said, you know, they didn't want to see me hurting, but also it made me isolate and have to like stuff down how I was truly feeling because of those comments that I was getting then. And I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't be feeling this way. And then I'd feel even more guilty for feeling those things. So I realized then, no, like once I got around other survivors and would share and say those things, I would get yeses. Like, yep, right there with you. Yep. Had the same feelings. Yep. Makes sense. Like, you know, this is how I did something, you know to, to work through that, or this is what I needed to work through that. And then it's like finding my own path. Okay. So like I'm hearing different advice from different survivors on how they did different things to process, you know, different feelings and emotions. And it's like, okay, well now, all right, well, I'm going to try this or try that, um, and see what works for me. Cause we are all so different, but I think hearing it from others who truly understand and get where we're at, there, it just, it just means the world a difference for me. And so, but I also need to realize too, I need to open up myself. I need to be vulnerable. I need to be honest and truly share with where I'm at and what I'm dealing with um, for to really get the right help that I need. And there was like a couple things, you know, that like questions I was scared to even ask and, you know, ask like maternal fetal medicine doctors or ask for second opinions because I was scared of the answers. And then they would just keep brewing inside of me. And I realized, you know what, I need to get these out and I need to just know the truth because for me, it was worse not knowing the truth and hanging on to these questions than it was the actual answers that I received with them. And, um, you know, I think, processing them with out loud with the right people, um, you know, with my husband's support, with, you know, other loss survivor support was, was huge. And, and them also being in the know, like, I'm going to find this out. I'm going to go to this appointment. I'm going to ask these questions. Um, you know, just really did help me fully process everything that I needed to. And not to be given, um, you know, those those throwaway comments, like I keep saying, are to be shut down. Um, you know, a lot of loved ones are like, oh, it's not your fault. Like, don't think like that, you know, and, and those kind of things. But it's truly like voicing those deepest thoughts, fears, realities that we're living with because they are consuming us, right? And to stop giving them that power. And to say it out loud was one thing. But then for me, what worked was journaling it down on paper. And at first, my journal entries, um, I never thought that I would, you know, be a, a journaling person. Um, in the past, you know, I never really was one to be able to really write down my feelings. But in this situation and with losing Brooke, I would be able to write them down, put the journal away. And it almost like gave me a sense of relief, like, okay, because I, I started to write to her at first. And at first I was saying, and I still can't read these um, journal entries to this day, but saying how sorry I was that I wasn't able to keep her safe, you know, and 
um, the womb and that, you know, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to save her and there was nothing I could do. And it was all those things and all those feelings. Um, and like just saying them to her because, you know, I would say them out loud at first and say them to different people. But then after a while, it was like, okay, I need to do something else. I need to do something more because it's not helping. And so that seemed to help, you know, in that specific situation. Um, saying it to a therapist uh, was also another way for me to process this and to really get it out in a non judgmental, open environment, but with someone who says, yes, and this makes sense because of this. And this is why, you know, this. And, and then it's like, okay, then this all makes sense. Like, I'm not going crazy. You know, I'm not, um, you know, experiencing anything that's out of the like normal, you know, with grief, loss and trauma. No, this is all like, you know, typical or what can be expected. Um, so it did, it, it made me feel that sense of normalcy with it, if that makes any sense. Cause I've never, you know, had this uh, tremendous of a loss, you know, in my life before. Um, you know, also by sharing my story out loud, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, like you don't know who it's going to impact or who needs to hear it for the day or who needs to hear, you know, your deepest, darkest regrets, like those feelings that you had, remorse, like guilt, shame, blame, that is either doing it to themselves right now um, or has been, th- has gone through it or is going through it and, and they can't recognize it. And then they hear your story and it's like, yes, like they finally feel that connection. They feel that sense of unity to someone else that they've been yearning for because, for me, like I was really just looking for that after Brooke. Like I just wanted to feel like people understood or got me with where I was because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, you know, what I believed in, who I, like what life was or what the future held after that, because everything just felt so unknown and everything that I thought I knew, I questioned and you know, just feeling like that sense of out of control of like your body and the physical, mental, emotional, you know, being that you're in um, from, you know, this grief and trauma. And, you know, for as often, for example, as like miscarriage happens, right? Like one in four, we know this, especially when, when this, it's not just a statistic, it's us, right? And we become that number. It's not talked about enough. It is truly a silent loss. Um, and so when I know when I posted on social media uh, finally about Brooke's, you know, delivery and then also losing her, you know, all these people came out and said like, me too, me too, me too. And, you know, they also went through similar losses or, you know, lost a baby and, and shared their experience with me. And I was like, wow, like, cause there for a while I was feeling so alone. I felt like, you know, I only knew maybe one or two people that have been through losses, And for them to reach out and share their heart with me and, you know, their gut-wrenching story, it was just like, thank you. I could not thank them enough. And each time, too, it was interesting because, you know, as I got to know and, you know, developed relationships, um, you know, with different people who've been through this, it's like it also does help, as I said, like 
us survivors to talk about our babies because we get to say their name. We get to honor them. We get to hold on to their legacy. But they're, in my opinion, like I'm also, you know, Brooke is still helping others. And by her, you know, by, by all of this and by me saying about her and what we've been through and also, you know, we were so blindsided by everything around her, you know, delivery and her death that, you know, if what I share, you know, and being that like less than 1% of all these different things that just like happen to line up, you know, with her, um, it's like, if, if I can help one person or, you know, impact one person's life or, you know, help to educate, to advocate all those things for someone else, like that is what it truly is about. So, you know, not just is it about doing all this, but also um, something for me too was I had to do something with my pain, right? I, especially that second year really was apparent to me, like, what else can I be doing or how else can I help or support, you know, other fellow survivors out there or what, like, could our society or what could we do more um, for this community, right, that we don't want to be a part of, but that we are and we become a part of um, for that unity and support. So for me, I poured my pain into, you know, Chasing the Rainbows or this nonprofit that um, I knew, you know, I wanted to be a volunteer, wanted to give my time and service to other lost parents, especially right when they go through their losses to be there, you know, and that's why um, like helping out with the daily support groups, the peer mentors, um, the other services that we offer through, you know, Chasing the Rainbows, because um, it really is tailored to fit survivor schedules. It's not about trying to make a time work, you know, into the it's all about them finding what works for them. Um, and so that was really important to me, like to do the service above self, because it took me out of my my own grief, like my own whirlwind sometimes of events. And, and of course it, you know, I needed to wait until, um, I was, you know, a, a little further out from my loss of Brooke, um, to get to a place where I felt confident in doing that or felt like, you know, I really could be of help or service to somebody else. Um, but really that was for me it. And so volunteering has really helped me, and I get to say and carry on, you know, in groups. And it's interesting when I have conversations with people and they say about, you know, the support groups or they just like always like you crying and being down now. And it's not like that at all. You know, we're really just sharing life and life after loss and what it looks like and what we're living with. And we we laugh, we have a good time, but we cry, we console, we're there for one another. And it really does come down to, you know, how... We are there for one another as we are figuring out our new life that we're given and what it looks like. Um, and it allows us in that safe space to share about our baby and be able or babies and be able to talk about them. But also, you know, all of these secondary losses that we experience from their loss. Right. And um, coming together and. And really just normalizing the grief process and that, you know, day to day, hour by hour sometimes is so different and looks so different. 
And so just having others who understand and get us, it's, it's far more impactful than anything else that, you know, I've ever been able to be a part of in the lost community. And so I'm so grateful for that. Um, and to have, you know, other fellow survivors help me too, you know, it helps me just as much to hear from them and what they do. Um, you know, we just celebrated Brooke's third birthday and I wasn't sure what it was going to look like this year, what we were going to do. And we decided to do, um, biodegradable balloon release and, um, have a birthday cake for her. And that's what we did this year. And I feel like that's something, you know, we're going to continue to do, but it was based on hearing other survivors and how they celebrate, you know, their birthdays or anniversaries of their babies and how they choose to do it and trying to find our own way. Um, and so, you know, for us, that's, that's what we chose to do, but it is coming together. And like I said, it's, it's sharing out loud and it's sharing all these different things that I never thought I would question as a person. But now here I am, you know, not being able to trust my intuition, not being able to trust always, you know, my opinion or, or where I'm at with different things. And I question everything now, um, you know, from, from Brooke and, that whole, you know, the whole experience around it. So I'm just grateful to be in a room with other survivors who get it and are there to, you know, provide any and all insight, honestly, um, because this is a life that, you know, was not chosen, but was given to us and coming together and rallying around and being united um, is a really good feeling instead of feeling like I'm out on that isolated island alone um, you know, with a lifetime of grief. So I just appreciate all of you tuning in this week. And if there's anything we can do, please reach out to us on our podcast website or reach out to us on chasingtherainbows.org. We are here to support and unite baby loss survivors across our nation. And thank you for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe to our podcast to help us reach more survivors. And we are always with you, infertility, miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss survivors. Until next time. Thank you.